Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Action Movie Anatomy. It's Wednesday. We're talking about a cult classic, one of the favorite movies of the fans of this show. This is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. We're going to break the whole thing down for you guys. we got a special guest. We'll see you in a second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Watch that fade. We're gonna uh, fade. Uh, uh, right down. Oh, look at oh, that. Look at that. Just got cool. It just Moving got cool. Up in the world. The weather. The temperature just brought down. Not moving up, up in the world. Yeah. I don't want to say that. No. <laughs> I mean, we're moving up in the world if you consider our special guest on the couch today. We do. Let's get a shot of the couch real quick. We got Mama Sue Peck in the room, in the studio, on the couch. How you doing, Mom? She can't. She doesn't. She doesn't want to wear a headset. So I'm gonna make her talk anyway. She's got a champ's lunch shirt on. She does. She she had like a very. I mean, she still. She looks beautiful. She always does. But she had like a really nice like blouse and skirt on. I was like, Mom, you ready to go for the show? And she's like, Yeah, but I want to wear. She like wanted to be on brand, you know. I was like, But you look so nice. And she was like, No, I want to wear a schmodown shirt. Yeah. So champ's lunch, I figured, was very appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, guys, we are covering Spock, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World today, directed by Edgar Wright, released in 2010. This is a movie that a lot of people have loved and talked about us doing for a long time. Special shout-out to James Spence, yep. who uh, is basically managing and running all the back-end of Action Industries. He's uh, he's the guy who watches what everybody's doing. This is a request of his to do Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He loves this movie, and so we're doing this for you, James, um, also because we love it. Yep. I have such a connection to this movie, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, it's such an interesting one, because you and I both had only... I'd only seen this movie within the last 12 months or yeah. even maybe eight months and you'd only seen it within the last what five years or no last year was the first last time. year was the first time right yeah. so also within the last 12 months but you know these comics inside and out yeah there's so, a lot of funny things there's a lot of stories to tell about this movie so we're gonna get into all of that but uh, if you guys want to follow along with the conversation you can find me personally at ben Bape media and you can find our twitter thing at team action show you guys can find me at andrew guy you can find my mother at sue peck and on the couch looking lovely <laughs> um, and we've also got a couple other places there's there's two facebook groups one is for the uh, action army it's the fans of the now defunct team action in the movie trivia showdown there's also all about action which is the place to kind of get all of our information there it's another facebook group and action industries which now is the place that we put everything together Together. So yes. Drew and I have been working our butt off along with this group of about a dozen people that are you guys are just doing the best job working with us to just bring this thing to the world. And it's awesome to see every week a few more subscribers, a few more followers. There's news posts every day on Instagram. There's news on Twitter. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable the work that this team does with us. And, and honestly, they keep us on track. Like, like I think it was two days ago, someone was like, hey, where's this thing? Yeah. It's supposed to be up already. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, shit. I need to... Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'll, get right. it, I'll get it to you. <laughs> yeah, you it's know? crazy. There's a lot of moving parts. I mean, the tr- truth be told, we could not do it without you guys. So yeah. um, it's really exciting. Last shout-out is we have some new Patreons, uh, patrons yep. on the Patreon. Jim W. and DJ Snacks. Boom. We yeah. salute you. Team Action. Patreon. That's patreon.com slash team action. We'll talk about some details there a little later. Coming up today on the show, yeah. we are going to be talking about the individual rankings of all the Edgar Wright films. We are going to be uh, doing an over-sieged, under-sieged, properly sieged on Michael Sarah. favorite directors of the future. is a thing we're doing on Action Guys. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And uh, yeah, so I think before anything else, before we just jump straight into thesis statement and all the other fun things on the show... We kind of have a special thing to share. Yeah, this is this is incredible. And if you guys go and you, and you check out Action Industries on Instagram, you'll see that I posted a bit of a story before Ben got here. I, I was too excited. Uh, we have a good friend. His name is Nick Gilmore. He's he's supported Team Action. He supported Ben and I individually. He's just been an incredible, incredible individual. I actually believe Nick is in the chat right now. And he sent us these amazing coins. Uh, 
one side says Team Guy, the other side says Team Bateman. These are based off of the designs that Janine the Machine did, and we'll obviously post pictures of these so that you can see them a little better. Um, they're so beautiful. They're so incredible. They're they're heavy. They're weighted. They're they're you know they've got the color there of the explosions, uh, and he's also sending a hundred more golden ones. That Ben and I are just, we can't believe them. My mom already stole two of them without asking. I don't blame her for it. You know, she she deserves at least that. And he sent a little message. And I just want to read it really quickly just because Nick is is an amazing guy. He sent both of us trophies, these coins. Uh, This is all just stuff that he does because he loves us and and we love him. So, fellas, good work at the free-for-all. Ben, it was great to meet you. Drew, sorry I missed you. Snickers, that's your fault. Uh, So here are 95 of the first set. The next set gets here next week, supposedly. I think they'll be a little nicer looking. I'm assuming you've seen the pics. We have. We're very excited. (laughs) I'm also sending the inspiration for these, perhaps a connection to uh, to the Top Gun movies. I was an F-14 maintainer in the Navy. This is one of the squadrons I was in. There should be one for each of you. See you in Houston. Respectfully, your old pal, Nick, a.k.a. the Shiz Nick. And what it is, is it says F-9F, F-3H. I wish that I was, like, better at, at understanding or, like, breaking this down. There's probably a better way to say it. I wish you were, too. <laughs> the bottom, <laughs> it says anytime, baby. On the back, it says Fighter Squadron 21, World War II, KW, VW, GW, um... I wish I knew what all of that meant, but I'm so incredibly thankful for you to send these, send the inspiration. Uh, Ben and I cannot salute you enough. So, Nick Gilmore, we love you, and we salute you. We salute you, man. Yeah, it was terrific to meet you. And and seriously, Houston is going to be such an unbelievable... Oh, Jeff Graham doing all... Oh, so that's another announcement. It's the last announcement we have. Jeff Graham just pulled up the the Instagram feed there. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, Ben, Marissa actually kind of moved on from the company, moving on to more endeavors, yes. and, we're, and we're very sad to say goodbye to her. We are sad to say goodbye. We've worked with Marissa for a very long time. She's going off to chase some of the things that she's really passionate about, and she's excited about that. Uh, we wish her all the best in, obviously, what she's doing there, and she's done so much work on the show with us for such a long time. Obviously, you know, this backdrop picture yeah. is created by her, uh, the concept there, engineered probably over 100 shows, I would guess. Um, and yeah, we will miss her dearly, but... Yeah, there we go. But we have an amazing person in the booth, someone that Ben and I have been friends with for years, someone who I've worked with very personally many, many times in and out of the studio. It's Jeff Graham. You guys already know him. He's an amazing, amazing guy. He's an incredibly talented writer. Uh, He hosts shows here at AfterBuzz and Popcorn as well, so make sure you give him a follow. Jeff, where can the people find you? Yo, guys, thanks so much. I'm so stoked for the show. You guys know I've been a fan for a long time. If you guys want to find me online, you can do that at Jeffrey C. Graham. And the good news is Marissa still will be doing Anatomy of a Movie, so you guys can still catch her on the network. Great. She's just not producing. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So, guys, go catch Marissa Serafini on at Anatomy of a Movie. We're going to bring her on the show for an official goodbye. But that is enough housekeeping. Let's get into business. Let's get into Scott Pilgrim. Yes. That sounds weird. A hundred. <laughs> Let's get into Scott. Let's not get into Scott. Uh, what we're going to start out here with, guys, is we're going to start out with thesis statement. This is the biggest, boldest thought you have about the film. This is the thing you would bring up in a conversation about this movie, as this movie has come up many times at parties, because people love this movie. Mm-hmm. It is a true cult classic. You would bring this up, and you would say, here's the thing about scott pilgrim you'd share your thought and then you'd leave the party yep Uh, what is that thought what is your biggest boldest thought about this film so my biggest boldest thought about this film is this is the most approachable comic book movie out right now now i know that seems crazy and the reason i'm going to say it is because there's so many of these marvel and dc superhero comic book movies yeah it's kind of like when lord of the rings was really popular or kind of how i feel about harry potter yeah at some point if you're one of those people that just didn't care and doesn't care and wants to continue not caring right and every week you hear about a new damn superhero movie you're like i'm over it yeah. i'm over marvel i'm over harry potter i'm over lord of the rings i don't care about the hobbit this is a film that if you go look 
I know you've seen way too many, way too many trailers. This Endgame, this Infinity War thing. You don't know who any of these people are. Comic books have a place in film. There's a reason why. And this film, I think, is a great one to show. Like, for instance, I could show this to my mom. It's got a beautiful love story in it. It's got yeah. fun action in it. It's cute. It's quirky. It's silly. It's so well-directed and edited. The visuals in it are so stimulating. And it, the movie moves at such a great pace. I think if you're one of those people, and I know that you and I have both run into them, that it's just like, I'm over it. I don't want to watch yeah. another superhero comic book, Batman flying, whatever it is. I want real movies. You yeah. Know, well, I got a, I got a comic book movie for you that's going to change your tune. Yeah. This is the one. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll jump on the back of that and I will say that my thesis statement on this is that this is the most ambitious comic book adaptation ever made. Um, I love it. You know, and there's some there's some really interesting ones like uh, Infinity War or Logan are like two that I think you could really point to as being pretty ambitious comic book adaptations. But the reality is like Infinity War the MCU is the ambitious part. You know, making yeah. making Infinity War once you've made the other movies is not the ambitious part anymore. It's just a giant epic, right? Or if you look at Logan, it's like, that's great. It's amazing that you guys make an R-rated movie. But again, it's it's telling a story in a very traditional way. This is this weird comic book that, like, when you read it, is so charming and it's so lovely, it's so wonderful. As a director, looking at it, you either have to say, I'm going to I'm gonna shrink this down, I'm going to make this really simple and basic, or I'm going to do what Edgar Wright decided to do, which is like, I'm going to literally try to take this off the page and put this into a movie. And right. do it as close as I can to have the feeling and the tone and the jokes and everything as close as I can. And he does it. Now, as any of the stuff that he puts in the film with like the the quick cuts or like the almost like the slapstick like physical humor or like the thuds and the wuds and all that that's all directly from the comics totally yeah. like he he just had this um he just had this like tonality to what he was doing uh the the writer brian lee o'malley who created scott pilgrim um when he made it that was like it's got this like it's so hard to put it into words but it's like that like mid-90s nintendo everything is kind of like emo nerdy romance like one up right it's just all of it it just feels like this like adorable cartoon at all times everything at all times feels like just like cute warm and fuzzy and lovable and like yeah but awesome and and it and for some reason it still feels like it's grounded in some sort of reality that we care about the stakes in the film you know what i mean totally and like i mean just the, the interesting thing is uh scott pilgrim is six books long i might even be seven now that i think about it but i think it's six and each one is a digest, you know, it's like, you know, yay thick. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would come out every year or two. It took like something like seven years for the, all the books to come out. Um, and I like you would you're watching scenes in this movie and those scenes are cutting quickly to one another. But some of the scenes in the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that's the end of book four. <laughs> right. You like, were talking specifically about when they go and see Envy and you see Brandon for the what's, what's his last name? Ralph. Uh, Brandon Routh. Yeah, yeah, Brandon yeah. Routh. You see oh, him for the vegan. first time. Yeah, the vegan. And you were saying at some point, either when they come up or when he's about to fight or after he, he throws Scott the first time, there's a cut in the book there. And that's I, a year-long cut. I think, yeah, I, I, if I remember correctly, like the clash at Demon Head come on stage maybe because mm-hmm. you heard about Envy Adams a lot at that point. And I think like you see her silhouette and then like the book ends maybe. Oh, God. Like there's like stuff that happens where you're like, wow. And, and I just, I can remember reading this comic and this is one of my favorite comics of all time. So 
this movie really, really was special to me. Um, though, in the weirdest way possible, I avoided the movie. I, I like. Oh, of course. It was the comic book was so special to me. I like just didn't want to watch it, which is why it took me almost a decade to watch this movie. Yeah, and during. Well, oh yeah, this is the other thing we did forgot to mention, guys. We did a watch along this last Sunday for Scott Pilgrim. So that was the thing where we had over twenty people watching the film with us because they knew we were going to cover it this week. And the reason I want to mention this is because there was. Uh, it was about your uh, the feeling. I'm going to write feeling really quick on film. Um, and the, the only reason I'm going to turn real quick is because we're doing another watch along in about three weeks for Infinity War for our episode on Endgame. It's so, uh, Infinity Wars. Infinity Wars, excuse me. <laughs> uh, I've gotten so good at saying it now. Uh, so guys, at the $10 level and above on our Patreon, go check it out if you want to join the watch along. It was super, super fun. A lot of really cool behind the scenes stuff. And you were saying that your feeling when it came out, you, you, you were pushing against it because you were it was so close to home. And then when you finally watched it, it was one of those like... That was good enough. That was pretty good. Yeah, uh, right. No, it's just it wasn't that I was pushing against it. It was like that it came out and it was in it was in a moment when it came out, twenty ten, where I wasn't watching a lot of movies. I think right. I've, I've told you this this before. There was about four years in my life between maybe five years, like two thousand nine, two thousand ten to like two thousand fourteen or so, mm-hmm. where I just didn't watch that many movies. I like hadn't started in media yet, so I was still kind of like a musician and actor and modeling and stuff like that, and I hadn't gotten into this place in my life where I realized that talking about the things I loved is really the thing that gets me the most excited so obviously movies being something i grew up loving so much was an easy one to really recommit and so there was a lot of movies that came out in that time period that i've had to catch up on um namely like prisoners is a great example of a movie that (sighs) just i just didn't see when it came out i had no interest do that on the show we did right yeah (laughs) it's like one of my favorite movies ever made yeah i I, I like watch scenes from that movie on youtube sometimes with the, like you mean ones of Jackman freaking out? Yes, that's all it is, all right? Of just Jackman. him screaming. Jackman, like Jackman in the car with Gyllenhaal screaming oh, and bashing the dashboard. The... And I love, I love Gyllenhaal. Hey, 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 hey! It's, he's so good. <laughs> the, their their balance of energy is so amazing it's in that movie. God, I love that movie. So I kind of skipped this movie for that reason, and in, in, in 2010, and and so here's the funny part. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's so much I don't want to ramble too much, but uh-huh. um, I moved to LA in 2009. And I originally moved here the first time in 05, and I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts for a year, and I was going to be an actor. So in 2009, uh, I went to some acting classes, and, and I met some people, and one of the people I met was this guy, Johnny Cruz, who is a good friend of ours. Johnny Cruz, you, some of you guys probably know Johnny because he's the voice of Lucio uh, Lucio in Overwatch. Johnny has a ton of fans now. He's been in a ton of movies. Johnny's like pretty damn famous now. Yeah, he was on, uh, what was the show on El Rey Matador? The, Matador. Yeah. He was on. one of the stars of Matador. He's he, the voice of Jordan Cross. He's he's a voice in Hitman. He's, I mean, he had the kid from Stranger Things like begging him for an autograph on his feed the other day. And yeah. anyway, so Johnny's a good friend of both of ours. Really happy for his success. Yeah, Johnny, and I met Johnny in an acting class and at the time in 2010, in January, I remember this distinctly, I had uh, the 14 people I had met to that point in L.A. Uh, that were actors that I right. knew who, and I was 21, uh, meet me at a, an IHOP. And I had written this three page, like memorandum. That was oh, like yeah. the untitled actors workshop. It was called. And the idea was that we were going to meet for three hours a week, every week. And everybody had to bring something to the table. And it was a leave your ego at the door type of experience. We were all going to kind of train each other. Um, and so Johnny was going to teach improv for an hour. Cause he had a lot of experience in improv mm-hmm. and we were going to do scene study. We were going to do audition prep with like a camera. Somebody would play the role of casting director, send out sides from our auditions. You was, told me about this. I thought it was incredible. It was a really great group. We did this for a year. We met almost 50 times, um, every week week for three hours and in that time we birthed the idea of making a short together so johnny wrote this short called tetso and at the time tetso was heavily inspired by scott pilgrim 
Scott Pilgrim had just come out. Johnny was really inspired. He wanted to make something like this. Johnny had directed a movie before, so he had a lot of experience doing this. And so over the course of a few months, we shot Tetsu, and I started it. It was, it was, it, I was this little skinny 21-year-old kid, like no muscle on my body, very little experience. And it, I, we never ended up releasing it because the visual effects didn't get finished. Right. I have a version of it that I've seen that I still have a link to that's actually cut together. It's a 20 minute thing. It's, I have to see. This. I play a guitar. I sing in it. I feel it's, like I have seen part of it. Maybe I only got it last year for the first time. I only like, actually saw it. Okay. Almost a decade later. Jeez. And so that's Hollywood, <laughs> but I remember like we just did a lot of, we just did a lot of work on this. And like so much of it was in reference to Scott Pilgrim. He was so inspired by the kind of fairy tale nature. That's what he wanted to make. And so at the time I, I remember thinking I should watch this, but still I just, didn't want to and so it's taken me 10 years to watch this movie and like you said when you did watch it you were satisfied enough it has a lot of what i wanted it's funny a lot of the jokes are great callbacks uh there's my story really yeah and i and i love that story and i honestly i really need to see tetso because that would just be so enjoyable for me i tried to get johnny on the show i texted him last week and he was super excited to come on but he went to australia yesterday yeah i know that dude (laughs) he's one of the guys you and i talked about for years we're like he's gonna break through at some point he's just too talented too good looking and too good of a guy so really happy for johnny uh james's movie reviews the very first time he's joined the live chat very very happy to have you here liam gilpin said all good james i listened to the show for two years before joining the group chat and now or the live chat so very happy to have both you guys here uh we are going to be moving through the show that was our thesis statement one of the other thesis statements i saw in there that was the um, something that we'd said on the show was that this is the best video game adaptation ever into a film yeah. for a video game that doesn't exist yeah which, that's that's awesome i love that one um so talking about these stars we What's, have to do fist bump oh moment, fist bump man. oh my gosh fist bump moment is that moment something happens in the movie you look yep. around you're like are you watching this right now this is the coolest thing i've ever seen you're so pumped you want to call your buddy you want to say cue it up at this minute right now you got to watch this scene it's going to give you everything you need it's going to give you the nectar of life did you know that we had a, a, a literal example of our fist pump moment where we're sitting there watching it we both looked at each other and kind of smiled do you, yeah. do you remember that you're talking about in the watch along yeah no, what was it? It's it was when he, when he gets, the, gets sword. the sword. Yeah, I it was that, when yeah. he got the sword because I didn't know what my actual thesis was. There was like a handful of moments that yeah. I really, really loved, but it was in that moment that I realized I was like, "That's that's the actual definition of the fist pump that we've called for years and years." Is where you're sitting there, you watch it, like power of love. Oh shit! And we like looked at each other, like, "Yeah, this is a cool moment." Yeah, yeah, that was that was it. That was the one, and and it was like like you said, kind of corny and kind of cheesy and video gamey, but it was perfect. It's perfect. And Schwartzman's such a fuck. He, uh, yeah, the other I, thesis... I, I, hate, I hate to use the word. Oh, but it's the only appropriate word yeah. for him. And the other thing that we were talking about, I was like, if that dude was maybe six inches taller and could put on 20 pounds a little easier of yeah. muscle, he would have been one of Hollywood's greatest villains. Yeah, he'd be a great villain. He's just so evil. He's so evil. He's yeah. great. Gideon, he's awesome in this movie. Such a great name. Um, yeah, it's sweet. <laughs> uh, so what's your fist bump moment? Uh, that was it. I just said it. Oh, oh, we you are using that. As I a am literally moment. using that because that was my one. Uh, Billy Belford says anytime Kieran Culkin says anything or does anything, which I love. He's yeah. really great. I, that could be my other fist pump is when he's making out with uh, Anna Kedrick's boyfriend yeah. at the end of the show. <laughs> he's like, God damn it, Wallace again. <laughs> I think my fist pump moment is probably the the Daniel Patel uh, song and dance. <laughs> But he starts because he's like so ridiculous. I yeah, his song is so bad. Once it, and you're already uncomfortable with how cringy he is, and then he starts doing the song, <laughs> and you're like, "What is this?" Do you think that's one of those moments in like Hollywood where you're like, "He does such a great job pulling it off, 
and he's so embarrassing that people are like, we just don't want him in our movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> he cost himself jobs. Yeah, because he was like so perfect at being that bad. You're like, that guy's too cringeworthy. He's too, I don't know. It's And he that's that's how he is in the comic, too. I remember these. He's just like that. Really? Yeah, I don't remember if there's a song. Like, I don't remember if they try to do a song in the comic book. They might, though. The song is so horrible. Yeah. Like, all the rest of the, the X's have sweet songs and moments. Yeah, yeah. What about Lucas Lee calling action on his own movie? Oh, that might be the fist pump for me. Actually, you were very excited about. He's that. fantastic. He's so good, and it's Chris and it's Chris Evans too, and like such a great Chris Evans moment because he's like not famous anymore. He's just about to be famous again. Captain America: The First Avenger came out the next year, so this probably shot in two thousand nine. I'll bet you he shot Captain America: The First Avenger about a year later, right? He, and so when he shot his Lucas Lee moment in this, he's two years after Fantastic Four: The Silver Surfer. He's a year after Sunshine. You had he's, said this is his absolute lowest point. He's like probably shooting this in a moment where like they're like, yeah, Chris Evans, you can put him in like a B role here. You we'll can't him, really yeah, lead a we'll, movie. We'll, we'll pay him like the probably like the bottom part of a scale or like middle scale we'll for give the him day. hundred grand or something yeah, he like, was, because he was human torch yep he like he gets some money you know and, and hopefully maybe he'll he'll bring in a couple people if they see his name you know like, like that type of thing he had like been in some bad movies to that point he had like kind of had his moment and his star had kind of gone off a cliff and it's funny because like obviously he's now one of the biggest stars in the world um far yeah 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 did you read his uh hollywood was it hollywood reporter that he did he did a yeah, full it was reporter i read it yeah. yeah he did a full article like a week ago talking about everything talking about like the rumors of him retiring from acting talking about trump talking about playing captain america well, talking about was there something with him and trump he's just a very staunch like trump conservative no he's incredibly against trump oh and gee, i was gonna say now i hate chris evans he's <laughs> super super vocal on twitter about it. Okay. he goes after him all the time that's great um he's like and talking about like directing he wants to direct more and he also talks about when he took the role when he took a uh, cap and just like with that moment and he, he he turned it down first and they had to come back to him and like really push him to take the role i can't believe that he turned down cap yeah he just didn't want to he, he just he just didn't i think he didn't want to commit to seven movies and and and, and like you know matt's told us many times our good friend matt haggerty who's the second ad on there was telling us many times that evans is one of the few people that is constantly working to expand his brand yeah and is also always working very politely with production to work on other projects around the scheduling yeah whereas there's other actors on there that are just like i'm gonna go do this thing and you're gonna have to deal with it right 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 yeah he seems like a super professional dude he's one of the people that i would be really excited to interview um I, i think i'd probably get a little geeked out and starstruck if i saw him or rdj or Hemsworth at this point. Yeah, all three. They're larger than life. And and with Evans... And they all seem like such great dudes. I think I would nerd out more probably for Evans than either of the other two at this point because because there's like a weight to... There's like a weight to his like level of good and purity as that character that's yeah. affected me so much now. I just... I just like... Have a giant crush on, on Hemsworth? Is that no, I just <laughs> like works... Uh, like rdj is like me he's like my spirit animal you yeah, know what right. i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially totally. with dastardly he just seems like perfect uh so those are our fist pump moments is that is that your did you give yours officially i, I think actually probably chris is evans it, calling action yeah, on himself yeah. is pretty sweet you talked about it for like 10 minutes it's during the watch along it's moment. so funny yeah action <laughs> Uh, all right guys so moving on to star profiles here we got michael Sarah's three most recent films he did youth and revolt in 2009 year one in 2009 and paper heart in 2009 so this is like this is his moment for sure he could do no wrong he was in everything super bad if i remember correctly he's 07 yeah so like that's 
Like, why did what, what did Michael Sarah get famous? Was he from? in Nick and Nora's too? That was him too. Yeah, and that's probably two thousand. Probably Arrested Development, right? Would yeah. that have been him? Yes, Arrested is his breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And that's like that's early two thousands. That's like oh three, oh four, oh five. And right. then from that, it was it was super bad. Yeah. So this is really his moment, and like he's you know he's I'm sure he's getting pitched a bunch of scripts, and year one is a Jack Black, if I remember correctly, right? Yep. Yep. That's like the the medieval movie or the i vaguely remember youth and robot i don't remember paper heart um yeah this is when he got a little overexposed honestly he like yeah. this happens a lot but then you know he really redeemed himself with this is the end yeah <laughs> <laughs> so great you need to do that you need to do that role like that is so opposite of what you ever play yeah, right. look at cruz do it look at evans do it look at sarah do it it yeah. works uh rdj and then, man he, he rdj did it, he did yeah. it as uh as, as uh cyrus not cyrus osiris Osiris. Is that in The Soloist? No, in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, let's see, his best role is This is the End. Yeah, Will, Will McClain, one of the Action Industries board members, couldn't agree more. So Mary Elizabeth Weinstead? Yeah. Weinstead? Weinstead. Weinstead? Wines? Uh, so she was in Make It Happen. Oh, no, we're going back. Death Proof in 2007. Live Free or Die Hard in 2007, which we will That's do on this right. show eventually. She's the daughter that Justin yeah. Long goes after. Yeah, and I love that movie. Timothy Oliphant's great in it. Um, and Make It Happen in 2008. Her career is... is pretty lackluster for how talented she is in my opinion i always like when she first was coming out i mixed her up a lot with um with some 60 year old woman because of her name (laughs) no with uh with with emmy rossum she's so like similar looking and feeling to emmy rossum that's interesting right because emmy rossum's the daughter in mystic river if i recall right not mary elizabeth weinstead yes i believe so yeah um yeah yeah, i really like that Uh, i like her a lot i think she's is she how you were saying during the watch long that these both of these actors are about ninety five percent of their characters in the book. The whole entire cast, actually, this is one of the weirdest experiences. Except for, me. for Blake Lively, that's the one thing, right? Well, I, I do think I do think <laughs> Envy Adams. When you look at her in the comic, she just should be Blake Lively. Right, she right. just like looks like Blake Lively before but she was even a thing. Brie does kill it. She's great. Yeah, she's fantastic. But I think the whole cast. It's like one of those situations where I was so attached to the characters and the way they feel in the comic that I don't know who you could have really cast in any of these roles that would have been better than who they got. Right. They're all kind of perfect. It's just, they all just feel like they're just a little bit off. Like, you know, that feeling when you look at a character in a comic book, you've watched for a long time and you see like the first image of the actor and you're like, Oh yeah, that just, that just looks like that actor with a wig and a suit on. Right. That doesn't look like the comic book character. That just looks like, and you know, we've gotten to a point now where movies are the better representation in a lot of cases of those characters. Like Nick Fury. So it doesn't feel that way anymore. Right. But this still had that feeling for me when I watched it, which was just like, none of these characters feel the way just because I can tell that's Michael Sarah, just being Michael Sarah. That's not Scott Pilgrim. So do you think it's because of, of, well, with her, it sounds like it's more of just like a casting and, and your closeness to the to the product. Whereas with Michael Sarah, it's like a famous actor doing the thing. They're just cartoon characters, and then you can't do that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no. It's not like we have ten Scott Pilgrim movies for me to get used to it. We just have one Scott Pilgrim movie, and they condense seven years of comic books into you know into 113 minutes or whatever. Right. Like right. it's just hard. To, it's hard to do. So um, I don't know though. It's it's pretty fantastic. So we're talking about Mary Elizabeth Weinstein's career. I think the more interesting question here is how do you feel about Michael Sarah? Is Michael Sarah overrated? Is he underrated? Is he properly rated? Well, I'm gonna hop in here really quickly and say we had our very first general hangout today with uh, Denuso and Belford chimed in about what they felt about Michael Sarah, and they both actually said he was properly rated, and the reason why now, Tenuzo had his reasoning saying that he used to be overly, he used to be overrated, and probably around the time that this came out, and then now he's kind of fallen into a place where he's more comfortable taking roles that he should, things like this is the end, you know, stuff that he's not oversaturating himself, and and Belford kind of 
kind of echoed that sentiment in saying that he stays in his own lane. Yeah. And that's what he really likes about him is he doesn't try to do things, you know, just because he did Scott Pilgrim versus the world doesn't mean that he's an action star and he knows right. that. And I think, honestly, I think he's underrated, dude. I'm in the same boat. Really? Okay, yeah. go. Why? Uh, I think he's underrated because I like that in 2019, I still feel like Michael Sarah could be in Superbad 2 tomorrow and I would be, I'd be there... I would, like, drop everything for my press screening. Right. I'd be so excited to watch that movie. I still believe in his ability to be funny, his ability to be endearing. Like, he's shown me enough moments and enough things that are super memorable that I'm willing to, like, throw out all the other shit. And, like, the other thing, too, is... The other thing, too, is, like, he, he can turn it on to do something a little different when he needs to. But he doesn't ask you that much. Like you don't, you don't, you're not asked that much when you go see a Michael Sarah movie. You're not like no. You're not asked to like okay. For instance, if Michael Sarah had gotten the JGL role as uh, Lincoln's son in 2012, like if you're putting him in roles like that, right? You're dealing with a whole different can of worms. Michael Sarah having to play himself effectively, doing his best Tobey Maguire impression in Molly's Game. I'm willing to watch him do that, and he does a great. job. He does a great job. Like he's. He just does enough with what he's given that I'm still a big fan, and I think yeah. the world kind of thinks of him as like he peaked and he had his moment. I think he's still a total star. I couldn't agree more I, on on every single thing that you've said on every level. I I'm kind of shocked because I was a hundred percent one of these people that was just like I'm done with yeah. you, bro. Like I love so much that you've done, but like the whole time you were talking, I kept thinking about Jonah Hill, Christopher Mintz, Police, and Michael Sarah as dads yeah 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 like in super bad too oh man oh my and i just started laughing like it, i was just like super bad two would be fantastic it would be so good and it would be hilarious because all those guys are still hilarious they're all so good and so famous bill Hader and seth rogan is the cops coming back like okay so it's been we did a show last week i haven't gotten to talk about it much the beach bum came out this last weekend um oh is that the new mcconaughey movie yeah yeah it's this i think i talked about it on the show last week for a second maybe um McConaughey plays a world-famous poet by the name of Moondog. He has sex with everything that moves, does all the drugs, cheats on his wife. It's a ridiculous, weird stoner movie from um, Harmony Kareen, who did, like, Spring Breakers and and the Gummo and stuff like that. Anyway, point is, in the movie, which has a big cast, McConaughey's lawyer is played, sorry, his agent, I believe, is played by Jonah Hill. Yes. Jonah Hill is not advertised in the movie. He's not on the poster, but he's in the movie a good amount. So interesting, because he's definitely an A-list star. Definitely. Yeah. And Jonah Hill, I don't know how he decided to do this, does the voice and accent that he does when he's playing Woody Harrelson in uh, uh, Pineapple Express 2 in This Is The End, when when they're making their sequel movies in the house. And he's like, I, I was the one who invented the iPad. Yeah. I was a friend of Steve he Jobs. He just does that voice. He's like basically just doing that character as Moondog's lawyer or his agent or something. And it's like so ridiculous. I, <laughs> this movie is absurd. I, is it super bad? I In, don't well. even know. I gave it above average because it's like way more interesting than a bad movie. Right. But like it's worth watching just for how silly he is. That's pretty awesome. But he's like, Moondog, I got to get into it tonight at the club. He's like, <laughs> you got to get me some money, buddy. Like, I'm just like, what is this movie? How did you sign on to this? Oh, God. I, I kind of want to watch it just for the fact that he's in it now. If you get really, really, really stoned, <laughs> you'll enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> we both know I can do that. Uh, all right. So moving on to production development um, here. Edgar Wright obviously directed this. It was written by him and Michael Bacall. Uh, a film adaptation of the comics was proposed following the release of the first volume. Wright became attached to the project. 
and filmed me again in 2009 in Toronto. The film premiered after a panel discussion at SDCC in July of 2010, um, and then it released wide here in August. Now, Edgar Wright is kind of an inspiration behind the segment we want to do on the Action Guys, which is... I believe that he is one of the most promising directors of the gen- of this generation right now. And, yeah. and I think he could be one of the, the next greats, maybe. Um, and so that kind of inspired a conversation we want to have on the action, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Edgar Wright, I think we both we both agree, is in that group. And actually, if you guys want to do, uh, if you guys want to see us kind of talk about that, that's going to be this week's episode of The Action Guys. It's going to premiere uh, this Friday on our Patreon, patreon.com slash teamaction, uh, as well as fully audio on the Collider Movie Talk feed. And then it'll be public on video to everybody on the Action Industries YouTube next Tuesday, which you guys should check out. Subscribe to that right now because that we're putting out content for free there every week. Yeah, we're going to start doing giveaways on there as well. Yeah, but um, I think that, I'm with you. So the question on Edgar Wright is, what are his what are his three best films? Right. And I'm going to jump in and say I have I have never seen At World's End, and aside from I've watched half of Hot Fuzz, right, and then I've seen the ending and scenes of Hot Fuzz, but watching the whole movie that's on my list of hundred movies this year. So it's probably coming up real soon that I'll be watching it start to finish. But I know Hot Fuzz very well. I've at least I've at least watched I would say probably the whole, the movie in its entirety in broken up pieces. Yeah, and I think really there's only four films that are always in contention for his top three, yeah. and that's Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Baby Driver, and Scott Pilgrim. Yep. So it's really which one do you eliminate from the list, and, and, which, and how do you rank? And how do you rank them? And so. Do you, do, you, do you want to go three, two, one together, countdown, or what do you want to do? Yeah, I think that's fine for me. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I think I'll go, well, let me think. Yeah, you want to you go first? Yeah, so my number three is actually Scott Pilgrim. Okay. It is 100%. I love Scott Pilgrim. I think that I, we were talking during the watch long about the other directors that could do this. Now, I definitely think other directors could do it because you said that so much of it is already in the comics, yeah. like so much of the visual cues. Now, a, another director could have completely botched it and ruined the film. Yeah. I think Edgar Wright was perfect for it. Um, but it is interesting. I love his visuals. It's interesting that so much of it was already in the comics from this, though. Yeah, I'm going to go number three, Hot Fuzz. Um, okay. The, the, I mean, I, I, have, I feel like I know that movie pretty well. It has a direct reference to Point Break that I really love. Uh, it's funny. It's, I love how it plays with the action genre. There's so many of the tropes that we've referenced so many times that are in that movie. Yeah. It's really funny. And I think actually probably of his movies, I don't know if we'll ever do Sean. It's possible, but I know we'll do Hot Fuzz. Hot yeah. Fuzz is like... You know the movie I just keep coming up with that I actually can't believe we haven't done yet is Pineapple Express. That's the yeah. movie. Every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, we didn't even include that in our top five action comedies episode. For whatever reason, that movie, like, just over our head every time. It's so weird. Every time I watch it, I'm like, this is so great. And it's, I never want to watch it again. It's and then, so good. And I'll convince myself to watch it. And I'm, and I'm like, God, this is so great. Yeah. And I never want to watch it. It's so weird. I love that movie. So number two is going to be controversial. It's Baby Driver. You put it number two? Yeah. Okay, because you love Scott, really. Well, Scott's three. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you love Sean. That's yeah, I do. Yeah, 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 you know. You know me. <laughs> uh, you put Baby Driver two. I put Scott Pilgrim two. Yep. And then I put Baby Driver one. Of course. And you put Shaun of the Dead one. And I put Shaun of the Dead one. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead is a movie that really hit a lot of people generationally at the right moment. I know Dan Merle, uh, famously of Screen Junkies and also the current singles champion in the movie Trivia Schmodown. Right. Um, he, I think that's the movie that got him into like wanting to be a movie guy really? it's either him or it's chris stuckman but one of those two guys who are like gigantic youtube yeah. personalities uh reference that movie as the movie like it's the one i love it i think yeah. it's so perfect i love i mean denuso even said he loves you know the queen in there i think it's so well acted and cast i love the way it moves i think it's the perfect 
horror comedy adaptation. It came yeah. out at the right time when zombies were huge. And it's just like, that was the first time I ever saw Simon Pegg and Nick Frost on screen together. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, these guys are geniuses. Yep. They're so great. So that is, yeah. And then Baby Driver, I'll let you take because it's your number one. Yeah, I go Baby Driver number one. I think that, I think, uh, yeah, it is Merle says Belford. Yeah. I think I've heard him say that before. Um, you know, as great as I think Scott Pilgrim is, and it's wonderful, a lot of the the chances that he takes on Scott Pilgrim that works so well, he takes even bigger chances in Baby Driver. And Baby yeah. Driver is... And there's nothing to pull from. Baby Driver is such a hard movie to execute. And aside from like the last 20 minutes, which I don't particularly like... Um, Gets a little crazy. Yeah. That movie in general... Baby! Like, like the first 10 minutes of Baby Driver is so good. Oh, it's so perfect. It's just... That movie is just great. It's got so much comedy. It's like... I mean, that movie is wonderful. Baby Driver, I haven't gone back to rewatch yet, but I remember walking out of the theater being like, this is one of the best movies. This is year. he just like, is Ansel Elgort just filming like 30 things right now and not doing, like, it, it's, it seems ludicrous to me that he hasn't been in another starring role since that came out. Yeah, he's like a, w- would you say that Dane DeHaan is the poor man's Ansel Elgort at this point? Oh, God, yeah. I really hope that Ansel's career doesn't go that way. He's really about like... to be Tony in the Spielberg West Side Story, though. So oh. That would be huge. Dane okay. or, or Ansel? Ansel is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which makes, I was just going to say, because he's also such a talented singer, it makes yeah. no sense that he wouldn't blow up. Yeah, he's he's really, really good. Um, big fan. Yeah, huge fan. So uh, so that's going to be our top three, guys. Share your top three. If you're watching this or listening to this, leave it in the comments below here on YouTube. Let us know what you think. Yeah, and really quickly, I just want to give a quick shout out to Michael Blankenship working for Action Industries. He's in the chat right now as Action Industries. He's going around responding to all the comments and all the videos that we're in. So if you are commenting about your top three list, you can guarantee that Michael will respond on this chat in this youtube so leave your comment below so that we can get some interaction going um i think we can skip over most of edgar wright's career i think we've talked about him a lot on this show and we're going to do quite a bit of that on the next show yes uh, yes as we actually do that so so uh critical and box office this movie someone actually said that this was the uh this was the most undeserved box office bomb was their thesis so this cost 60 million dollars to make it was mm. open august 13th of 2010 it grossed 31 domestic and 16 foreign for a grand total of 47 million losing million dollars from its production budget it opened at 10 uh i believe it was at number one there um but yeah that's that's horrible yeah it's it's a weird it's just one of it's like one of those um i don't know how you can really even it's like an end of it's a it's a it's a midsummer movie so it probably probably went up against something pretty good that same weekend i would guess jeff can you check that out for us actually yeah, I'm on it. Um, I'd love to know what Scott opened up against, or even just what was in theaters at the time. If it's 2010 in the summer, that's pre... I mean, Iron Man 2 would be the only MCU movie that might have been in theaters at the same time. It could have been that moment where everyone... I mean, is this the moment in the career where everyone was just like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with Michael Sarah, dude. Get him off of... Get him out of my face. Maybe. I mean, and and the... the uh, promotion of this movie, there was a bunch of movies around this this few years that were promoted with this, like cute quaint emo like literally right, nick, like nick, nick and Nora's infinite playlist yeah. is like the is the marketing that's like this movie is sharing and a lot of those that kind of feeling that i think uh they're going after a certain age demographic and like interests and it might have just felt kind of canned by the time this came out yeah because from 2007 to go super bad juno nick and nora extreme movie paper heart year one youth and revolt and scott pilgrim so there's like three four movies in there that are roughly the same tonality and then after that he actually doesn't do another real or like a full movie yeah. until 2012. So I think that is, that's literally that is this movie is literally the moment. It's a box office bomb, and then Michael Sarah's done. So studios are like, hey, let's not uh, let's not put this one out there. He doesn't do another movie. He does the end of love in 2012, which I don't even know what it is. He guests on The Simpsons. He does another short. 
he guests on or he's got six episodes on burning love like he literally just falls off you said that's by 2013 he's doing that uh i mean this is it dude 2010 is when it ends and then it's drunk history brie larson video a short and then the end of love he when, literally just when stops. does this is the end come out 2014 i think 2013? so 14 yeah 2013 yeah so that's his comeback it's yeah he goes he just disappears for three years and this is the end is his comeback and then he goes and he does i mean it's not quite a comeback yet right because he's still not doing anything he's oh interesting like that and that and molly's game sausage, sausage party. party yeah wow interesting so he's he's fighting to come back right now i heard he was he's pretty good in lego the lego movie lego batman okay that's um, the only lego movie i haven't watched i've watched yeah, the other two go. um <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, so moving on to Critical, this movie's got a 7.5 out of 10. Oh, Jeff, did you figure out what it opened up Yeah, the chat had my back here as they accurately identified the Expendables came out the same weekend. Oh, Um, what did it make? I mean, that ended up grossing around 3 million, 300 million. Uh, But also Inception had come out two weekends before, too. So it's a holdover. So this comes out and it's just like, no, no chance in hell. Let's see Inception again. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, 7.5 on IMDb, which I think is kind of appropriate i'd maybe give it a little bit more points yeah uh, tomato meter 81 audience 83 on rotten tomatoes how do you feel about all those those are i think pretty correct i think i think like 80 is probably about where this movie 7 79 80 is probably where this movie deserves to live yeah it's like definitely above average like a very good movie i just gave us a 7.9 and i think that's like about what i'd give it like right, right around eight do you feel better about that film now that a week's passed us yeah I think it's really good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think 7.9 or 8 is a really good review. Like, for people who watch or listen or follow me on Twitter and see my movie reviews, uh, I review things on a scale of, of 1 to 10 with 5 acting as an average. So it's, it's like, gets confusing for people because in school, an A would be 100%, right? So if a D would be 60%, right? Which means that if you get down to 40, it's an F. But there, you don't get a G or an H when you're grading on that scale. There's no such thing. Yeah. So if you're using 10 points, 5 is the middle and 10s are like impossibly perfect, which means The Godfather is a 10. I just reviewed Pretty Woman for the first time. That's a 10. That movie's perfect. I think it's so crazy you gave it a 10. That movie is flawless. It's so good. But like a movie that gets an 8 is a really good movie. Yeah. Like any movie that's 7 or higher is is I'm giving you a strong recommendation to Go see this movie. Go watch this movie. Like I don't give movies over 7 if I'm like, yeah, it's pretty average. Right. I give a 5 an average. A right. 6 is still above average. So, like, that's what I mean is I think, like, this movie getting a 79 or an 80 makes it a pretty strong movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, favorite line? It's probably it's probably the Chris Evans line. <laughs> Calling action on himself. Action. Yeah. That's really sweet. <coughs> um, I love that one. I love a lot of Todd's lines when he doesn't realize that chicken parm isn't vegan. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love uh, a lot of what Wallace Wells has to say. I love when Scott's like, when she's like, he's like, bread makes you fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great one. Um God, what do I think? I think okay, there's two of them. There's the one where he plays the quick roulette in his mind and he and he, he goes, I gotta pee on her. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's like between I gotta pee and yeah, don't yeah, tell yeah. her. And he says, I gotta pee on her or something, which is really funny. And then the other one I loved was when um He's like, were you at a party? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, were you the Pac-Man guy? He's like, no, oh, that guy sucked. I was, I was the other guy. <laughs> I love that one. Great delivery. That's where that's where you're like, oh, this kid is star. Exactly. He has he has the greatest like awkward delivery in maybe like the in America in the last twenty years or something. Like he is that guy. Him and Steve Carell. Like that's yeah. where they came from. Was awkward comedy on Arrested Development and in the Office. Yeah, it's so funny. Like um, if you watch. If you watch like a lot of lot of movies, a lot of TV, and you're a performer at all, you watch that, and that seems really easy. And to some people, it is really natural. 
but you also watch people who try to do that and it's, aren't good at it yeah and it's very bad and you were like oh i get it so to be a really good performer like that that you that's dialed that comic timing is like you've been working on television for like 15 years already exactly and it is a very very specifically television trait because yep. that is what television is it's set up and knocked down over and over and over you got to hit these jokes you've only got 22 minutes you yeah. know so i uh, really hats off to him so ama question this week guys we do a competition every single weekend richard eric jarvie and james spence doing a great job of organizing those on saturdays at some point we run a contest for 24 hours it's something to do with action movie anatomy and you got to respond so ours this question this week was we did a watch along for Scott Pilgrim versus the world. What are the other four watch alongs that we've done? Mm. And John Coster, do who, I know the answer to this question? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, John Coster, who is is awesome. He's a dude that's he's 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 actually doing this this crazy art series on his Instagram. Yeah. He tags us in every day. He he draws a picture based off of an AMA episode. Um, I'm a horrible artist, so I, I salute you for doing that. He says, "What's your favorite musical performances in movies?" Maybe a top five based off of Scott Pilgrim being mm. kind of a musical. Um, I don't know if we have a top five list, but we will talk about some movies that we really love and great musical performances. Yeah. I'll start off with saying it's it's a weird one because she lip syncs, but in The Greatest Showman, Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, it's incredible. It's it's one of the greatest ever. Uh, I love it. Her voice is so powerful. And the woman who actually sings it, I believe she was on like... You've got talent or something. She's also incredible, but that's one of my favorites. I would I would say on the same subject of Greatest Showman, and it's actually not in the movie. It's the behind-the-scenes rehearsal performances oh, that they did to sell the movie where Jackman's yes. in there with the kid from... He's in there with the kid from the last five years and uh, Supergirl, and and uh, what's her name? Whose name? I can't think of it right. T- Tessa? The girl who sings it in the movie. Yeah. She's unbelievable. Yeah, I can't I remember her name I just can't think of her name right now, but... Um, he he does this performance to get the movie sold, and it's it, it's just unreal. Didn't he have like a surgery? Yeah, like yeah. to remove melanoma on his nose or yeah, something. Yeah. And, and like so, his doctor told me can't sing, but he didn't care. And Jackman's sitting there watching it, and it's like going okay, right? And then and he finally he's just like, into it. "Fuck, I gotta get it." He goes, and he starts blood coming out of his nose or From whatever. From now on, it starts bleeding. From now on, I love it. <sighs> Uh, that's really good. Somebody in here just said Stillwater from Almost Famous. I that's agree. Great. I uh, love basically everything that Joaquin does as Johnny Cash, yeah. and honestly, Reese Witherspoon as as June, uh, Carter. June Carter is wonderful. Um, I adore the musical performances in the Mark Wahlberg film Rockstar, which uh, if none of you guys have ever seen, it's a guilty pleasure movie for me. I love Rockstar, but never seen it. It's all the songs are written by like true like eighties butt rock guys, and they're all performed by like Zach Wilde from Black, from uh, Black Label Society and jason bonham john bonham's son and it's all like a real band performing all these songs right. but the songs like stand up and shout and like blood pollution and uh i can't think of the other one but they're all they're all really good actually if you're into that stuff and that movie is sweet that's another movie rockstar if we can ever find a way to feature on a show I've never seen it you it's so dumb you love it i'd love it it's uh, you also love rock of ages don't you or you just love Cruise and Rock of Ages? Just Cruise. Just Cruise. Stacey Jacks. Um, <clears throat> so it was The Rock, Warrior, Rocky Basis, Four. Basis 1996. Stand Up and Shout. That's the one. Stand Up and Shout. It's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> the Rock, Warrior, Rocky Four, Mission Impossible 3, and Scott Pilgrim are the all five of them. Really good. I love <laughs> John it. Spence, John, John C. Riley. John C. Riley in, in Walk, uh, Hard. Walk Hard is, is actually excellent. I love Hard. Board. Uh, okay, so uh, AMA question, John Coster. Thank you so much. Remember that is held every Saturday or every weekend on our Instagram. Go and check it out. Then there's three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous. Totally legitimate and ridiculously legitimate. They explain themselves, I think, to some degree. Which category do you feel this movie fits in? I want you to hop in first because you, you're you're the guy that knows this business. <sighs> um, 
This movie's totally ridiculous. Is it? Yeah. But it has to be, right? I think it has to be. I think it's impossible to watch this movie and not feel like you're watching something that's super silly. But it's great. I think I think you're supposed to buy into that. But I also think you're supposed to laugh at all kinds of weird moments that they don't even necessarily intend you to. Okay. Like, I think it's okay for you to do that because this movie is so zany. But I think there's so many things that are so strange yeah, exactly. Will McLean says totally ridiculous <laughs> in a good way, and yeah. I think that that's, a, that's the best way of putting it. I don't think it's totally ridiculous in the way that, like, Demolition Man is, like, cringily bad in yeah, moments. Yeah, Right? It's like the moments that make you laugh unintentionally, it's, like, kind of okay because it's supposed to be so silly. Okay, so Denuso says <clears throat> it's either totally legit or totally ridiculous. Totally legit because it's completely self-aware and done purposefully. James Spence says totally legit because there's a style to what Wright does, and he sticks to his rules 100%. I think I'm actually going to go middle category. Okay. For for the same reasons that they've said and the same reasons that you've said, I think that there has to be some level of legitimacy to this to where I'm watching it and I'm like, I love that there's a random roulette wheel or that there's a wood and the thud and like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it does feel ridiculous, but I think it's done just enough to where I'm going to put it in the middle category. I think that's fair. Um, you know, before we get to the last thing, there's just one last thing left on the show, but I want to just tell a last story because I forgot about this and I yeah. think it's a relevant story for this show. Um, my good buddy Max Brockman, who is a longtime fan of the show, he's probably not watching now, but uh, he's watched a lot of episodes. He better be watching. <laughs> he and I loved Scott Pilgrim. So we lived in a house together when we were like 19, a bunch of friends, like college kind of aged friends. And we wanted to write a comic book, I remember. And so we, we Max and I wrote this comic book called Super Best Friends. Um, <laughs> It was basically just like a comic book of two characters, me and Max, going by uh, character names from Swayze movies. So I played a character named Dean Youngblood, and he played a character named Wade Garrett. Those are Wade, sweet. Wade Garrett from Roadhouse, yeah, Dean yeah. Youngblood from the film Youngblood, played by Rob Lowe. And uh, we just made fun of all of our friends, basically. And uh, David Michael Frank, our good buddy, we, we, his name was Barney Michael Franks. Um, <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was dumb. It was like a super fun comic book. We actually like storyboarded and plotted out like two issues of it. I think I still have it saved somewhere in a Google Doc. But uh, Emerald City Comic Con that year, Brian Lee O'Malley, who created Scott Pilgrim, was there. And I went and I had my Scott Pilgrim Volume 1. And, I, and he's a really quiet guy. He kind of talked like this. And I was like, hey, man, I'm the biggest fan. My buddy and I are doing this comic book. Super best friends. And do you think there's any chance that um, you, could, you could draw a sketch of the two of us in the back of my comic? And he was like, Max must have been with me. And he was like, um, I normally don't do things like that, but you guys seem pretty cool. And he did it. And he no drew shit. a sketch, uh, a quick sketch of Max and I in the back of my Scott Pilgrim Volume 1. Sometime in the next year, I lent that comic book to a girl I was dating. No! And I have never seen it again. No! Yeah, that's a true story. I don't story. think I knew that part. I knew that you didn't have the copy anymore. Yeah. And I knew that that you and Max had the comic. I don't think I knew that he actually drew it in he the... He drew the sketch. I, maybe I'm misremembering and he didn't draw the sketch. Maybe he just signed it. But I'm pretty sure he drew the sketch because I remember telling that story. And I remember... Like, he said that. So there's no way that he would have said that if he didn't draw What's a sketch. her name? Actually, I'll find her. I was actually just thinking if there's any... I was like, I was like, but that was in... That was, that was in that 2008. Was a decade ago. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if reaching out 11 years later to some girl I dated for like a month was, is going to work out so well. Hey. What a perfect way to lose the comic... This comic book, though. To yeah. an X, you know? I know. That if is... there was ever a way to lose a Scott Pilgrim comic, it's to an X. It's that not is... even an X. It was a girl I dated for three weeks. Like, I couldn't even... Other than her first and last name, I could tell you zero characteristics about this person. I remember so little. It's That's been such amazing. a long time. I mean, 2008. I wasn't even. I wasn't even in LA yet. No, I moved the next yeah, year. Yeah, it's it crazy. was in Seattle that I lost it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, That's so, crazy. I know. All right, Brutal. so there is one more thing. Belford, don't. The army will hunt her down. Never, never, <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah, so she's okay. She's okay. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so there's only one last thing left to do on the show, and that's called The Pitch. <laughs> Mom, you didn't do it. The Pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so, uh, the pitch. This is going to be for Shazam. Uh, Andrew and I, when we do our plotting ahead stuff, we um, we you know usually set up a list of about eight movies over the next eight weeks. And sometimes we have flex weeks where we're like, okay, is this movie going to be good or bad? Yep. We have made the mistake, uh, like in certain cases, like Independence Day Resurgence. <sighs> where we just go and we're like, no, it'll be great. And it's horrible. Of covering movies that are just bad. Um, and we choose to not cover those movies because that's a bad decision. And so we had decided to maybe cover Shazam or maybe cover Batman versus Superman, which I think eventually we might do because we both like kind of have a soft spot for that movie. Yeah, we kind of um, love that movie. Yeah, exactly. I kind of love all the bad DCU movies a little bit. I... I other than Suicide Squad. Yeah, I was going to say, other than Suicide Squad, I'm on board. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and and I think that there's no way Shazam is going to be bad. I've heard nothing. Like, we were supposed to go to a screening to, of it last night. Right. Um, and everyone we know at this point has seen it because they've been screening it for a month solid. I know. I know. It's making me crazy. Yeah, but I, I landed last night at midnight, and so we didn't get to go to the screening. And so we're going to just go see it like all of you, like other, like everybody else just who goes like to the movies. Just like you peasants out. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> we're going to see it tomorrow night. And then we're going to cover We have to do a pre-tape because I'm leaving town next week for the whole week as I prepare for Schmodown Chicago. He does. It's sh- I'm so jealous. I'm it's going to be so it's, excited. It's like almost a thousand people there at this point, right? Nine, I think it's 900 people. It's insane. And every ticket's sold out. There's so many VIP. Like, it's going to be massive. It's going to be absolutely nuts. Okay? And I actually want you to win. That's nice of you. Yeah, whatever. Don't jinx it. I hate you. I know what you're trying you're to gonna do. You're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to cover Shazam. I was actually trying to think, should we do like a live video on Action Industries Instagram of the episode? So people can watch along with us still and maybe comment so we kind of have a live chat. I don't know. I was thinking about something kind of cool like Like that. live stream it early? Like live then... stream us doing like maybe 10 minutes of the episode on Friday because we won't actually have a live chat. They, we won't be giving away the whole show. We could just do the show early. Just have two shows this week actually. Hmm. And then it just lives for a week and a half. Interesting. That's something we'll talk about. But guys, let us know what you think on. Uh, let us know what you think about it on our Twitter. That, yeah. That's a place where we'll be able to see the and, and interact back and forth. We'll figure out what we want to do on Friday. Yeah, at Team Action Show. So go check that out one more time, guys. Patreon.com/slash Team Action. There's so many cool things coming up. That's the best way to, to interact with us. You can send us private messages there. We have a million cool things we're announcing. A new video going up today, and those uh, amazing challenge coins that we yes. talked about from from Nick Gilmore. Big shout out. Nick Gilmore. These things are incredible. These are going to be part of a special giveaway we're doing at an event in Houston. So stay tuned there on Patreon uh, to understand what is happening there. Uh, big shout out to our generals, Andrew Hayes, Paul Denuso, Billy Belford, Bedford, John Getz, <laughs> and John Patterson. Boom. We salute you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Mom. See you guys next week. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. From producers, the views expressed herein are those of the host only, do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners. Or